this series from pain to purpose because God's desire is that you, through meeting him and getting to know him and overcoming so many battles that life presents, that you actually connect to your purpose and start fulfilling your life destiny, your life call. And so part of the message, that this, this message right here is a big, a big transition because this, no, this is week five. We started in the pride test. Because nothing will start happening in your purpose until you start humbling up a little bit. Then we went to the pit test. And then we went to the uh, palace test. And then last week was the purity test. And then finally, now this week, we have, we have five more after this. But this week is the prison test. And, you know, I know some of you refer to your marriage as a life sentence. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we have the marriage conference, by the way. But it could be that um, there's some things in here you'll find that may help deliver you from prison. And uh, you may be checking out saying, well, I've never been to prison, so I'm not even going to, I'm good. I'm going to watch YouTube right now, or you, Virgil. I'm going to land a nod. But let me just tell you, you might be in prison now. You may realize that you've been in many prisons. And so I want to help identify some things through the story of Joseph that if you'll really take them to heart and really allow God to develop you in these areas, this specific area, I think he'll deliver you from prison. And so we picked up, we're going to pick up the story where we left off in Genesis 39. We're going to pick it up at verse 13, but we left it where Potiphar's wife wanted to lie down with Joseph because he was handsome and of a great, of great appearance. And so trying to deceive him, manipulate him, she tried to make moves on him, grabbed his coat, his garment, and as he ran away, he left it behind, and she then accused. And so we're picking it up there in verse 13. And so it was when she saw, Potiphar's wife saw, saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he, meaning Potiphar, has brought in to, to us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to me to lie with me, and and I cried out with a loud voice, and it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment. I'm, I'm, I'm highlighting this for a reason. I'll come back to it later. He left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment and went with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did, did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. 
You see, the prison test is summed up as the test of perseverance. Even through a difficult time, we see that Joseph found favor in the prison master's life. And the prison master said, hey, listen, I'm going to give you authority to lead the prison. But about the difficult situation that he was under, this is summed up, this test is summed up in perseverance. You can also ask, what are you going to do when you do the right thing and suffer the wrong results? He left. He left his garments. She accused him. He goes to prison. Or what will you do when the suffering continues year after years after being wrongfully dealt with? Or will you continue to serve the Lord in confused, misunderstood and unfair times as you did before. You see, many people think when, when God delivers me from my situation, then I'll do something great for God. That's our thinking. But the test is, will you do something great for God even if you've yet to be delivered? Even under an unfair situation, will you do great things for God? That's perseverance. And by far, this is one of the fa my favorite themes, my favorite passages in all of Scripture. When I was uh, a youth and, and an adolescent, I had a lot of confusions, a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of family problems, a lot of life problems, a lot of, uh, a lot of issues, let me just tell you. A lot of things that didn't make sense, and so I tried to go find and make answers. And so going into my young adult years, I had even more confusions, more self-inflicted problems than I had before. And really, I was, I was, the, I was the, the, barrier, I'm the barrier of my own life. And then later in my young adult years, it felt as if God just stepped into my life, of course, circumstantially, grabbed me by both shoulders, shook me a little bit, and said, hey, Nathan. You need to get a hold of yourself. You need to get it together. It's time for change. And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but sometimes God so lovingly steps in, and we can mark moments in our timeline of life where it just life starts to shake us up a little bit, and it's not to hurt us. It's to get it, make an, bring an awareness to get our attention and to shake, shake us into a sense of, hey, you need to become a little bit more self-aware. You need, to, you need to pay attention to what's going on in life, and you need to start stepping into your own destiny. And so God did that to me about 16 years ago, and I had moved to another city, and I was in Austin, living in a little apartment in East Austin. And can I tell you, in that time, East Austin is not what it is today. East Austin was a rough part of it. Like, you don't cross 30 from west to east. And I chose to go into East Austin thinking, well, I'll save money. The Lord used every moment of my life to humble me, to change me, to, to grow a, a sense of gratitude and humility in me throughout those, few, those upcoming years. But I was sitting, I remember sitting, having pushed away all the people I knew, having pushed away all the circumstances, having put myself in a different environment. I was situationally able to do that in that time. I remember sitting in my apartment, in the living room of my apartment in East Austin, reading scripture, and I know that I know that I know this was the first time I heard and felt the voice of the Lord, like as in a sense of, 
he's speaking this passage to me as I was reading in Romans 5. So I'm going to read you the context of this conversation based on Joseph's life and what he is going through in our series of Romans 5. I'm going to read Romans 5, 3 through 5. And not only that, it says, but we also glory in tribulation. Glory in tribulations. This glory, and I don't know if you've ever been here when, when Joey has come up, our trans, one of our transition speakers says, glory, glory, glory. You know, that big raspy throttled voice, just glory, you know, that only he can do. He owns it well. And, and this word really means rejoice. And that's what Joey's saying is rejoice. Rejoice, we're at the end of worship, and rejoice, it's like the scripture that says, this is the day that the Lord has made, I'll choose to rejoice and be glad in it. Do you understand that it doesn't say, this is the day that the Lord has made, and if my emotions are right, I'll rejoice. It doesn't say, if I feel good enough, and all things and circumstances are in my favor and favorable, I'll rejoice. It doesn't say, well, if everybody else is treating me well, I'll rejoice. It doesn't say, if I get a raise, I'm going to rejoice. It doesn't say, if I don't have to serve today, I will rejoice. None of that. In fact, what it's telling us is, as, a, as, de, as it's disip, discipling us, it says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Because he has made it, I will choose to rejoice and be glad. And here's what happens, and here's why it doesn't say if my emotions are right, if I feel good, or if my circumstances are right, because the moment I choose to rejoice, my emotions come in, line, come in alignment with my disciplines. It's a spiritual practice that has to lead, and then everything that's inside of me begins to get into alignment. Boy, I can just solve a lot of problems and get a lot of people out of prison if we'll just start doing the things of the Word of God and watch everything in life start to come into alignment. But he's saying rejoice, glory. This literally means to rejoice. It means to wish for, to pray for, to desire. Now, I can't say that I've ever wished, boy, I wish tribulation would come along. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, I pray for tribulation. I just so desire tribulation. Oh, Jesus. I'm going to fast. What are you fasting for, brother? Tribulation. Tribulation, like... Be concerned about that individual right there. But knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and the verb, by the way, is produces, and so it's insinuated that everything follows is a producing that, and producing that, and producing that. Produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character. In fact, it means a proven character, a proven character that has been tested and approved, and it passes the standard of God's Word. So perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope, it does not disappoint. So when I learn to go back to glory in tribulation, I developed this inner knowing, this discipleship, this understanding, this spiritual discipline, this spiritual maturity is what it is that says if tribulation is coming, my response is to rejoice because as I rejoice, God develops perseverance within me. My character is tested and proven and hope is beginning to well up inside of me so that I develop this this thing called hope that gets me through the unforeseen things and the things that seem like they're going to be all hells breaking loose 
issues. But nevertheless, my hope is what is getting me through the difficult times. And that hope does not disappoint. So therefore, I can actually rejoice when trial hits because I know there's some things about to happen. There's some hope that's about to be revived. There's some things that God is preparing me for. And it's much better than this life that I'm living in right now. Glory in the tribulation. So what we have been saying in this series is that if you don't have character in your life, you will never fulfill the God-given purpose that he, that he has on your life. No matter where you're at, no matter where you come from, he has a God-designed purpose for you. But in order to have character, you have to grow in perseverance. And in order to grow in perseverance, you have to, you have to learn the art of rejoicing in tribulation. When we rejoice in tribulation, it transforms some things inside of us. So number one thing you need to know is tribulation produces perseverance. Tribulation is there. Oh, I, I must need to grow in perseverance in an area of my life. God is preparing me for something. We all have and all, we all will have tribulations. It's a promise. It, you cannot avoid it. You cannot run from it. In fact, the more you try to run from your tribulations, the more you extend your prison time. Good news. But John 16, says this, these things, this is Jesus, these things I have spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So if you're in tribulation and you're not having peace, it may be because you're not practicing the art of being in Christ during your tribulation. And I can practice being in Christ, I understanding that he has overcome the world so that he has every solution for every tribulation as long as I keep my focus on him. That's what it says. And James, this is Jesus' brother. He's like, man, I didn't believe in Jesus either. I kind of gave him a hard time and heckled him. And especially when he started talking about taking me to the cross, taking him to the cross. Like, yeah, bro. Bro. But James said, oh, he, he, he convinced me. He's the Christ. And he says, look what else I learned from my brethren and for my brethren. And he's like talking to us, my brethren, you and me, counted all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. The testing of trials is purposed to produce a steadfast and a patient individual. Patience is waiting with contentment. Patience is not flailing and throwing fits in the background when you're in between blessing to blessing and in the gap you're just you're throwing, you're, you're making all hell break loose because I'm just waiting, I'm just waiting and something, something's got to change and wait. No, I'm content. Because I have a God who is the way maker. He does make things happen. He will cause things to all pass for my favor and my blessing and my benefit because of who he is and not because just of me. There's a contentment while waiting. This is patience. And patience begins to develop within us something like those trials. Whenever you're at the diesel pump. Anybody got a diesel truck in here? Diesel vehicle at all? No? Then me? Yep, yep. Come on, raise your hands high. Be proud of that. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> this is not like the EPA is going to come against you. or You're at the diesel pump 
which there never are enough at any gas stations, but especially at Brookshire's where there's just one set of pumps and you can barely get your diesel truck in one side and on this side is wide open. But the guy in the Prius... Where is the, when will gas stations put a sign and say, if you have a Prius or a gas car, do not pull up to either one of these pumps, even though there's a gas nozzle at it. You know, it starts to work. It's a trial. It's like a short-term thing. It should be a short-term thing. It's developing contentment while waiting. My diesel truck is about to run out of fuel. It doesn't do so well as, as like a gasoline car would do. It causes a lot of problems while I'm sitting here waiting for you to pump your Prius. <laughs> and then finally this guy gets into their Prius. They sit down and you're thinking, now's my time. Finally I can fill this big thing up. And then for some reason they decide to do their taxes online right there. <laughs> You know, it's a trial. James says to consider it all joy. Waiting here with contentment. And I'm just going to pray that he gets a good tax return because he's being so eco-friendly. <laughs> I got some areas of growth, I know, but you get what I'm saying. Trials are short and intended to produce patient, a patient demeanor with contentment. That's the, pers pers the, the purpose of that trial. Tribulations are long because they are intended to produce perseverance. The ability to not give up whenever it's not going my way. The ability to not give up when things just don't feel good for me. The ability to not quit when it gets hard. When it gets uh, uh, there's misunderstandings, or I've been misunderstood, or I've been dealt with wrongfully. The ability to keep going no matter what, as long as I keep a good attitude and I'm serving the Lord, He will take care of all external situations and shape me in the midst of it. And the more you try to get out of that tribulation, let me just remind you, the longer the sentence of the tribulation. So Joseph, for Joseph, it was 13 years. For David, it was 13 years. You're like, man, it's already been 12, so good year. Next year's my year. I'm up out of here. Well, for Abraham, it was 25. Oh. No, no, Moses was 40. Very encouraging, right? You're glad you came to church this morning. So glad I got out of bed, got that moo-moo. <laughs> Joseph never got embittered towards Pharaoh. He never got embittered towards God. He never got embittered towards his brothers. Tribulation over time taught him perseverance. So number two, perseverance, though, produces character. Tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character. Now, we see that Joseph was a man of great authority and a great responsibility. And everything that he put his hands to, the Lord blessed. But I think Joseph was being tested and time was extended in tribulation because of how he tried to use his God-given gifting to benefit himself rather than others. Look at this in Genesis 40 and 14. says, but remember me 
when it is well with you, and pleases and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and I also, I've done nothing. I've done nothing. I've never done anything wrong. I've always been so good. Can I just tell you, no matter what you do in life and in front of everybody else, God sees the things that he wants to work on. And can I tell you, the difficulties that come about are from the hidden moments of life, not because of what you do in front of other people. And can I tell you, that's a blessing of the trial that God is trying to use things that you're not revealing to the outside world because God knows what's going on in the inside world because he wants to shape you so you can really be the person you want to be on the outside world. I've done nothing. You ever heard that before? When somebody's so me-focused and trying to change the world for me? I've done nothing. Here that they should put me into the dungeon. And I think the Holy Spirit placed these words in here for us to see that Joseph did not get out of prison after interpreting the dream accurately because Joseph still had a me attitude. There was this little residue left over. He interpreted the dream for the chef and the butler so accurately, giving hope that maybe things will work out, at least for the butler. But he had to add this little piece of me, 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 me. And what about me? Remember me. Recognize me. Get me out. And usually in this stage of our tribulation development, we try to manipulate others to get me out of my tribulation or difficulty. We try to get others and persuade others to do something or change something or, or, or has some kind of effect and that they need to do so that me don't have to do, so that you can be the cause of me not having to be under this suffering of tribulation. It must be because of you that me is in this place. Oh. And when all the while it is the me attitudes that actually attracts the difficulties. Let me say this one more time. It is the me attitudes that has a spiritual attraction like a magnet, an earth magnet that's ever so powerful that attracts difficulties because God is trying to work the me attitude and all about me and woe is me and it's all about me and if they were just for me, out of you. And so because of this, God extended his prison sentence, I believe, two more years. Genesis 40 and 23 says, yet the chief butler, he got out, and Joseph interpreted that he was going to get out, did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. I think I would remember if somebody, if I was in prison, somebody interpreted a dream that I'm about to get out of prison and be restored. I think I would remember, unless the Lord says, I'm going to, not, I'm going to wipe this from his memory for a time because I've got to do some work with Joseph still. And there's probably been some people that you've helped along the way and you thought, well, maybe they will come back and repay me or do something favorable for me. But because God has you in the middle of a tribulation, because your me attitude is attracting difficulties, he's shutting them down from doing the thing or at least having the authority and the ability to do the thing to help you so that God can actually help you with the long-term help that he's trying to, he's trying to afford upon you. This was likely the case. So God could teach Joseph that Joseph doesn't have to drop hints or try to 
bring attention to himself when he is in the midst of tribulation. In fact, the best way to go through this is to bless and allow God to do the rest for yourself. This is, what, this is the heart of God for all of his followers. This is what he was trying to train into the heart of Joseph because ultimately, until that was worked inside of Joseph, he couldn't walk out the bigger, the bigger purpose that God had for Joseph. He needed the character. He needs to develop the character, rather. God needs to develop the character to overcome himself. G- sorry, Joseph needed to develop the, the character to overcome himself so that God could provide the very things ultimately that God wanted for him. Now later, Pharaoh had a dream that needed an interpretation. And this forgetful, forgetful butler all of a sudden remembered Joseph. Oh yeah, there's a guy. There was a guy. Joseph comes out. Pharaoh brings him before him. Pharaoh tells him the dream. Joseph interprets the dream. And he's restored to second in command of pretty much the most, pow- or the most powerful nation in all the world. God did some things in that two-year gap, though. God gave Pharaoh the dream, and God waited two years to do it. God could have gave Pharaoh the, the dream the next week. But because there was some stuff inside of Joseph that still needed to be worked out, perseverance is about doing the right thing even though your circumstances haven't changed. But when everything changes, I will. No, nothing will change. Nothing will change until you do. So rejoicing in tribulations. Tribulations produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, a proven character, and character produces hope. Remember all that talk about Joseph's garment, right? Uh, it was Joseph's coat of many colors that really the brothers were jealous about. They didn't like him. And then they saw him from afar coming whenever Father Jacob sent him out to check on them out in the fields, knowing that they know what they're doing. There he is, the ones that they hated so much. They see him from afar off. And then here we see again Joseph's garment, his coat, getting him caught up with Potiphar's wife. And I wish, he just, so so this, this is Satan's trick, that once he knows that there is something that he can do in your life to get you caught up, he doesn't have to practice and, and try new tricks. He just waits for an opportune moment, and then he tries you again in that area, and he tries to, he, he's attempting to get you caught up yet again over the same thing. And can I tell you right now, you're, let me just bring some highlights. As life passes and something may go away as a problem, but yet it hasn't gone away, and God begins to develop you and strengthen you and give you opportunity and, and, and place and, and position and some favor, Satan brings that thing right back around and says, mm, let me bring this little trick back up and see what he does here. And I wish, I wish I could tell you how many people come to church and get offended and they leave. And how many times I see them and they tell me these stories, and yeah, we just, you know, there's something I just, you know, just, I didn't like it. I didn't like the way they. I didn't like the way they did this. I don't like what they did. I didn't like what he said last week when he was on the platform. I didn't like he said this. Whatever it is, and I'm thinking, man, are you not offended at the grocery prices these days? But you keep coming back to the grocery store in excess. It looks like. <laughs> are you, do you not get offended when it takes too long at the drive-through these days when it used to be so much faster, but yet you keep coming back there? It's Satan's trick 
Because he knows what it does when he keeps people from corporate worship, from hearing the word, and community with the brethren. And by the way, you cannot go home and have your little home church and do your little thing at home and be offended because you have an open door to the voice of Satan to manipulate you and deceive you any which way he wants, to get, wants you to go. Satan knows. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. See, Scripture has to be built and shaped around the context of the Scripture, otherwise it's pretext, meaning I can make Scripture sound like anything I want to appease me and, and, and to back my, my offense up or my decisions up, whatever the case may be. But when your hope is in your situation changing, then hope will likely be a moving target for you. Because that's usually where we put our hope. I just hope this changes. Well, I think hope, I hope something happens soon so that we can, well, I hope that they will. Well, I hope that, gosh, if things just need to change, your hope is misplaced. It's, in fact, it's going to be deferred and your heart's going to be sick because your hope is misplaced. In fact, it's displaced. But when your hope is developed because you learn to rejoice in the midst of tribulation, which developed perseverance and has proven your character, your attitudes, your go get them or you're not going to quit them. You're, you're, I'm going to be steadfast no matter what, and it doesn't matter what anybody else do, does. I know what I'm going to do, and I'm going to keep my soul, my, my mind focused on the Lord. When that happens, all of a sudden, hope is the promise, and hope will not be deferred. And Scripture is always referring to man as light, as trees, and there will be, you will become, God will develop within you this ability to, to, to cover others, to bless others, to provide for others, to develop others. There will be something inside of you because of what God is doing, which leads us to number four, hope produces appointments. We read the scripture, Romans 5, 3 through 5, glory in our tribulations. It produces perseverance, produces character, which produces hope. And hope does not disappoint, meaning that hope Developed through rejoicing in tribulation with perseverance and character, hope causes divine appointments in our lives. Because now you've been shaped and formed and you've been developed and you've been tested and proven so that you can, one, you can embrace, you can embody, you can carry, you can walk out the, 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 the purposes of God for your life. You're strengthened. You're humbled. You understand that you couldn't do it anyway without him, and it's all about him. And without you can't change any circumstances, but he can. And the only way you can do it is staying focused on him and not me. No longer are you trying to manipulate anybody or any situation so that you'll feel comfortable in your skin, which you don't even like anyway when it really get down to it. It's an all-out surrender. And it's all-out surrender with I ain't quitting. There's no more quit in me. There's no more give up. There's no more going back. There's no more emotional swings. There's no more. And when it is, I'm coming back into right alignment, and I'm getting with the Lord, and I'm gonna, we're going to work this thing out. Joseph's focus was outward instead of inward on his own circumstances. When he saw this chef and this butler, it was 
worried about them, concerned about them. Look in this in Genesis 40, 6 and 7. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were, them, who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? Joseph was wrongly in prison. They told him about the dreams. He interpreted the dreams. And even though he had to wait two more years interpreting the dreams, ultimately we got him out of prison. Think about it. He interpreted these dreams, but because God saw, remember me, get me out, I've done nothing. God said, you could have just left it at the interpretation and blessing others, but you had to add something about you. Two years later, God gives Pharaoh a dream. Butler goes, oh, I remember this guy. Really? Because you didn't know him before. You forgot about him. And because he interpreted this dream, and through this process of two years, God worked this me attitude out of him. I'm talking to somebody in here today. I'm talking to a lot of people in here today. In fact, the Lord is speaking to you. It's the Lord. He's identifying some things. I could stop right now and you already know what needs to change. You already know what your prison walls look like. You already know what's keeping you in prison. You already know what the razor wire is made out of. But that's okay. In him, in in Jesus Christ, we can overcome all things. So there's a lot of hope. So I rejoice in this tribulation, this prison, and I'm going to persevere keeping my eyes outward on others and on God because he is the only one that's going to change the dynamics within me. And this produces a divine appointment in life that causes favor to be attracted to us. No longer as the me attitude attracts difficulties to my life to work this stuff out of me. Now, because I've got the me attitude out of me and I'm not worried about me and I'm more concerned about others and what God is doing through me into the life of others, now hope is welled up inside of me. It drives me, it leads me, it guides me, and... It draws divine appointments to me. I could spend months telling you over the, net, over the last 16 years the divine appointments that since I embraced this truth and began to allow God to work it inside of me, the divine appointments that I've had, the favor, the invites, the opportunities, the chances, the fact that I'm here right here before you. 16 years that God has just been doing this after. Nothing, I couldn't even manipulate it. God and if you even feeling as if you were being treated wrongly turn your attention away from yourself and start focusing on ministering to others and saying God what is it that you're working in and out of me and through me Lord let's do that work I'm going to rejoice I don't like the way the situation is but Lord I know you're doing something I'm going to choose to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to choose perseverance. I'm going to choose to keep going. I'm going to choose to seek your face. I'm going to choose to do it your way. I'm going to choose to overcome myself. And in fact, everything that inside of me that doesn't want to choose to be in alignment with you, that's a place where I need to die to myself today. And if you'll do that, 
character will be proven. Hope will be your guide. I have hope for all things. All hell's breaking loose. Everything's going bad. Well, you know what? I've got no control over it anyway. I might as well enjoy my life. But I'm going to keep it focused on the Lord, and I'm going to keep doing what I was doing before it happened. And if you will lose this even subtle little me attitude, God will develop this area. He'll get you out of the prison. And I want to, I want to challenge you today. Today is more of a call to action. Because in, in two weeks, we have our next steps. This is where you, you get plugged in. Like, it's time to get plugged in. How am I going to get out of my prison? I can't do anything because of my life. Well, you won't get out of this situation in your life until you start serving others. So you're part of a go team. So you're part of a tribe. So you start getting to the, uh, into the lives of others and allowing others into your life. It starts there. Then God begins to make the change in your life. So I want to challenge you today. Maybe you've gone through next steps. Well, get plugged in. Join a tribe. Get into a go team. But something where it's not your, well, I, it's my job. I serve others. No, no, no I'm, I'm talking about like your time, there's sacrifice involved. So I want to pray for you, and then we're going to worship. But I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, how am I focused inward? And what do you want me to focus on that's outward? So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you speak to your people. Lord, I pray for eyes to be opened to revelation of what you're doing and drawing them through, Lord. The prison that's around them, the walls and the situations that are creating those walls, Lord. Well, I, pr I pray for a supernatural understanding and an ability to see beyond the natural into the supernatural. So I pray that, that, that they understand this art of rejoicing in tribulation, to glory in tribulation, and truly have a steadfast, a spirit of perseverance and that their character be shaped in every decision that doesn't, that, that requires them to look inward. Lord, that they look at your word and they look at your, your, what you are doing and, and what you've done and what your word says. And they choose to submit their attitudes and their character and their own ways to your ways. And Lord, in the, in the process, I pray that you prove their character. Prove our character, Lord. So that hope is not deferred, and hope guides us into godly appointments. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.